This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. One of the most famous husband-wife teams of burlesque radio and TV are on the bill first tonight, George Burns and Gracie Allen. Their radio show was inducted into the National Hall of Fame back in 1994. George Burns was born Nathan Birnbaum on January 20th of 1896 in New York City, the ninth of 12 children. His father was a substitute cantor at the local synagogue, but usually worked as a coat presser. During the influenza epidemic of 1903, he contracted the flu and died at the age of 47. Nate, as George was then called, went to work to help support the family, shining shoes, running errands, and selling newspapers. When he landed a job as a syrup maker at a local candy shop at age 7, Nate, as he was discovered, as he recalled long after, we were all about the same age, 6 and 7, and when we were bored making a syrup... We used to practice singing harmony in the basement. Well, one day, our letter carrier came down and heard the four of us kids singing harmony. He wanted the whole world to sing harmony. He liked our style, so we sang a couple of songs for him. Then we looked up at the head of the stairs and saw three or four people listening to us and smiling. In fact, they threw down a couple of pennies. So I said to the kids I was working with, hey, no more chocolate syrup. It's show business from now on. We called ourselves the Pee Wee Quartet and started out singing on ferry boats, in saloons, in brothels, on street corners. We put our hats down for donations. Sometimes the customers threw something in the hats. Sometimes they took something out of the hats. Sometimes they took the hats. Okay, it's time to put Burns and Allen to work with the episode, Gracie Overhears a Murder Plot. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George? Sure. Pour me a cup, Gracie. You know, Maxwell House is always good to the last. <laughs> Drop. And that drop's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House coffee time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. <laughs> With yours truly, Bill Goodwin... The music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. Our happy postman, Mel Blank, and Lorene Tuttle, Elliot Lewis, and Wally Mayer. For your Thursday night comedy enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for your everyday coffee-drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. It's late afternoon at the Burns's, and a very hungry George is just arriving home for dinner. He hurries up the walk, reaches for the doorknob, when suddenly from inside the house... <laughs> Holy smoke! Gracie is being murdered! Gracie, what happened? Nothing, dear. I'm listening to my favorite radio mystery, The Tall Man. We got you this time, Tall Man. <laughs> you like that? Shut that off. 
Gracie, stop with these radio mysteries. I'd like some dinner. I'm hungry. But I want to listen to the tall man. Nuts to the tall man. How about the hungry man? Oh, I haven't heard that program. When is it on? <laughs> I'm the hungry man. Oh. I'm starved. Oh. I'm famished. I could eat a horse. Oh, well, then you should have called me from the office. I was planning on lamb chops. <laughs> yes. Look, oh, Gra- quiet, dear. I want to finish listening to the tall man. You remember it's about that marvelous detective named Rudy and his darling wife, Trudy? Yes, a darling girl. Oh, she's just charming. <laughs> They're so in love. Right in the middle of a murder, they lean over the victim and hold hands. Yeah, they're romantic. Oh, yes. It's so exciting tonight. I'll turn it on again. Rudy and Trudy have been captured by the master criminal. Mm. He's been chained in a dungeon, and he's torturing them. Mm, well, that I'd like to hear. Shh. Are you afraid, Trudy? That's Rudy. Yes, I guess that is. Not when I'm with you, Rudy. Mm, that's Trudy. I know, I know. <laughs> I can't bear to look, Rudy. What torture is he using on you? He's burning the soles of my feet with red hot iron. <laughs> Does it hurt, darling? I find it rather annoying. So brave. I'll call him Spunky after this. <laughs> what is he doing now, Rudy? He's pouring molten lead in my ear. <laughs> Does it hurt? Beg pardon? <laughs> is it frightfully painful? I'm beginning to get bored. <laughs> for a kiss, sweetheart? Naturally. <laughs> oh, Rudy's so romantic. He's a romantic chap, yes. I think I shall break these chains and capture this ruffian. Do that, Rudy. I shall, Trudy. Oh, Rudy's so strong. He's a brute, yes. Stand back, tall man. I got you covered with my Tommy gun. I'm not impressed. Take that. Ooh! <laughs> how splendid, Rudy. Now, how shall we escape from this dungeon? Simple, Trudy. I shall take the springs from that bed and build a radio broadcasting station. Oh, no. <laughs> then we'll radio for assistance. Oh, Rudy's so brilliant. Smart as a whip, yes. You're a most amazing man. Precious. Thank you. Would you care for a kiss, sweetheart? Naturally. Mm. Mm. Shut that thing off. Shut it off. Shut it off. Oh, aren't they wonderful, John? Yeah, they're wonderful. Wonderful. Now, how about some food? I'm starving. Oh, food. The tall man and his wife would never bother with food. They're too busy discovering murders and grilling suspects. All right. Grill me a suspect. I'll eat that. <laughs> oh, George, why can't you be more like Rudy the tall man? Does he yap at his wife about cooking and things like that? No. He's romantic. When he comes home, he kisses her hand. All right. Stick your hand up to my mouth. With your appetite, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> Well, all right, dear, all right. I'll show you how quickly I can get domestic. Now, how would you like some nice lamb chops, mashed potatoes and gravy, fresh asparagus, green salad and apple pie? Great. All right, I'll call the Brown Derby, make a reservation. (laughs) 
you really, you really got domestic. Mm. No, brother, I can eat a horse. Hello? Is that you, Dave? Yeah. What's on your mind? Oh, Donna, someone else is on the line. Hey, listen, Dave. Got a little job to do. Got to get rid of a rat. It's a couple of killers. Well, hang up. Okay. When do we do the job? How about tonight? We'll collect overtime. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to kill a man tonight. Oh, stop. Where is the rat? 360 North Camden Drive. Meet me there in two hours. What if there's no one home? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll call and check on that. Okay. What's it gonna be? Poison? Nah. Nah, that's too slow. I got you, Pete. I'll see you there. So long. I heard it. I heard the whole plot to murder a man. Oh, we've got to warn him, George. Where's 360 North Camden Drive? That's ours. Hey, good, let's go. Yo, George! What's the matter? The killers are after you. Gracie, you've been listening to too many of these crime programs. You're imagining this. You're here already. It's the killers. Oh, it's Bill Goodwin. I saw him through the window. Come in. Hi, Burns. What's new? Oh, Bill. They're going to shoot George. Why, did he break a leg? <laughs> I, w- I wish it had been the killers. Oh, Bill, this is serious. Someone's out to get George. And I know how those killers work. They'll shoot him and stab him and strangle him. And then they'll put him in cement and drop him in the ocean. And George can't swim. <laughs> yes, and it's bad for my rheumatism. Gracie, relax. Nobody is after me. I'm an entertainer. Every week I sing and tell jokes to 20 million people. Who'd want to kill me? 20 million people. <laughs> Bill, please remember who pays your salary. You're not working for Hope now. No, that's right. Now I'm working for charity. <laughs> why, boy, you have listened. Boy, how can you fight among yourselves when George's life is in danger? Bill... Why don't you be George's bodyguard? Thanks, but I don't need a guard. No, but you could sure use a body. (laughs) I don't believe any of this killer stuff. Hello? Hello? Is George Blaine's dad? Yes. George, it's one of the killers. Oh, stop kidding. Give me the phone. Hello? Blaine's? That's me. (laughs) Just wanted to make sure that you were home. See you at nine o'clock. The killers are coming for me. George, I think I'm going to faint. Oh, darn it, he beat me to it. Yeah. Any minute now, somebody will take a pot shot at me. Yeah, get your stomach away from that window. (laughs) Gee, 
Who can I turn to for help? Oh, I do. Oh, I've got it. I know just the one who can save you. The tall man. It's a radio program. But I read in the magazine that Rudy and Trudy are really man and wife. And I know where they live. Come on. Gracie, listen. Radio stars are not the same in person as they are on the air. On their programs, Sinatra Skinny, Jack Benny is stingy, and Eddie Cantor is an old man. But have you seen them in person? Yeah, and that clinches my argument. Come on. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Here's the tall man's house. I'll ring the bell. Oh, Rudy can save you from those killers. He's so strong and brave and clever. Well, what is it? Are uh, you, uh, Trudy? That's right. What do you want? Well, we want to speak to your husband, the tall man. Hey, Rudy, you've got visitors. Oh, not now, Trudy. I'm in agony. <laughs> this hangnail is killing me. <laughs> A hangnail bothers the tall man? Oh, there, there, there must be some mistake. I know he's brave. Well, look at this piece of skin dangling down. My own skin. It's almost an eighth of an inch long. I told you I'd cut it off. No, no, don't touch me with those awful scissors. I think. <laughs> he's brave. Look, let's go, Gracie. I think we're... What can I do for you? Please make it brief because I'm suffering dreadfully. Oh, <laughs> yes. A hangnail can be painful. I suppose you hurt your finger when you knocked out a bunch of gangsters. Ha! Huh. Tell them how you did it, stupid. <laughs> I was trying to open a jar of peanut butter. Spilled it all over the floor, too. Well, it was too heavy for me. Stop making excuses. You're clumsy, that's all. But I, I thought he was so smart about doing things with his hands, like making a radio set out of the bed spring. Him? Oh, Butterfingers. We dropped the peanut butter. <laughs> I'll never forget the time I asked him to put a new bulb in the lamp. He broke it all to pieces. That was your fault. You should have told me which end of the bulb to screw in. <laughs> Let's get somebody else to help me. I don't no, think I George, got a chance. No, no. I think I'm ruined if I get this kid. Rudy, my husband is in danger, and we thought that you might be his bodyguard. <laughs> what do I do? What's the matter? Look, crawling on the floor, a bug. Want me to kill it, strong heart? No, no, just shoo it out. You know I can't stand the sight of blood. I'm sorry, what were you saying? Well, um, I did want you to guard my husband, but somehow in person you don't seem to be like you are on the radio. I should hope not. That tall man is such a brutal character. Yeah, she's a bad man. I'd be much happier if they let me play Henry Aldrich. <laughs> He'd be even happier if they let him play Ma Perkins. <laughs> now you stop teasing me, Trudy. It's time to put another cold compress on my finger. Okay, stick it out. There. Yeah, it's cold, it's cold. I'm freezing to yes, it's I cold. Can't stand it's cold, it's cold. Will you stop yelling or will I slug you? All right, I'll be brave. Would you care for a little kiss, sweetheart? Oh, shut up. Come on, Gracie, let's get out. Well, the tall man couldn't help us, Meredith, so now it's up to you and me to save George's life. Is that why we came down here to the underworld, Gracie? Yes, this is the same tough saloon we were in last week. 
We'll ask questions and find out who's after George. I get it. We'll pretend to be crooks again. Right. Hey, you, bartender, let's have some cyber. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what'll it be? I'll have a beer. What kind? Root. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, ain't I seen your face someplace else? No, it's always been right here in the front of me head. <laughs> hey, I remember you now. You was here last week. Said your name was Gracie Catraz. That's me, Sister to Alcatraz. <laughs> Want some information? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the dope? He's my friend, Meredith Wilson. <laughs> What do you want to know? Well, there's a couple of killers trying to knock off a pal of mine named Pretty Boy Burns. I want protection for him. Never heard of him. Here's his picture. Pretty Boy, huh? Yeah. Sure outgrew it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I, um, I want to know who's trying to kill him and why. I don't know nothing about it. Oh, won't talk, huh? Suppose I have Meredith work you over. He ain't man enough to hide a flea. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, I don't know nothing. If you want protection for Burns, why don't you get him a couple of flat feet? It's no good. He's already got a couple. <laughs> that doesn't. Will you get out of here, sister? Yeah. Come on, Meredith. <laughs> Meredith Wilson and his orchestra in Tippity Doodah. See, do you think this plan will work? Well, certainly. You've got to escape from the killers, and a disguise is the only way. Nobody will know you're disguised as an old man. What are you doing now? Well, I'm drawing wrinkles on your face with my eyebrow pencil. There. Now, put on these spectacles and take this cane. Well, how do I look? Uh, your own wife wouldn't know you. I'm not so sure. What did you say, Edgar? 
Uh, Edgar? See, you're on watch. Yeah, you didn't recognize me. Uh, don't be afraid to open the door, dear. No one will recognize you. Good evening, Mr. Burns. Here's a special delivery letter for you. Uh, Mr. Postman, don't you, uh, notice something different about George? Yes. I've never seen him looking better. <laughs> better? He looks so much younger than usual. Goodbye, Mr. Postman. Goodbye, and remember, keep smiling. <laughs> Come on, get this disguise off me. I've got to think of a plan. The killers will be here any minute. Yeah, I've got it. I'll put a dress on you and disguise you as a woman. They'll see right through that. Not if you wear a slip under it. <laughs> well, nuts to that. I'm through with disguises. Let the killers come. I'll fight the man to man. I'm not afraid. <gasps> oh, darling. There they are. Shall I open the door, George? George? Jo George, come out from under the divan. Half of you is still sticking out. It makes it a very tempting target. Hey, what goes on here? Why don't you open the door when a fellow... What's George doing under the couch? Developing pictures? Yeah, he thought you were the killers, Bill. They're due any minute. Yeah, Bill. I've only got a few more minutes to live. My whole life is flashing before me. My childhood. The day I became 21. The day I went to war. Tell me, George, was it tough at Gettysburg? <laughs> That's right. Joke while the killers come closer and closer. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean this stuff about the killers is really on the level? Well, certainly it is. Well, why didn't you two say so? I'll save you, George. I'll set a trap for those guys. Wonderful. Now, Gracie, get me a long piece of string, a shotgun, and a kettle full of boiling water. I'll fix those killers. Oh, right away, Bill. How does the trap work, Bill? As the killers turn the doorknob, yeah. it pulls the string, yeah. which sets off the shotgun. It shoots the killer. No, no. no. Something else happens. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now, here's what happens. It shoots a hole in the kettle and lets the boiling water run out. And it runs on the killer. No, not yet. <laughs> it runs into a percolator, makes a pot of Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> what happens to the killers? They smell the coffee and make a beeline to the kitchen to get some. They forget all about me. Sure, sure, they forget. I you blame that. them? No. <laughs> Maxwell House is rich, delicious, and mellow. That famous Maxwell House flavor, you know, is the result of careful selection and blending of premium Latin American coffees radiant roasted to perfection. It's no wonder more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Bill, are you just going to let the killer sit there and drink the coffee? Oh, no, no, George. Oh, you of got course not. Yeah, I thought so. You see, this is National oh. Donut Week. We'll give him some donuts, too. Yeah, that's good. That's good. What a combination. That's a good trap. Donuts. <laughs> donuts and Maxwell House coffee. And a new partner for Gracie, because I'll be there. <laughs> Maxwell House is the very best in coffee-drinking pleasure, yet it costs but a fraction of a penny more per cup than the cheapest coffee you can buy. That's why Maxwell House is the choice of so many millions of Americans today. They know today's coffee buy is Maxwell House, the coffee that's always good to the last drop. Bill, I don't think much of your plan. But, George, except for one little flaw, it's a wonderful plan. Yeah, but when the killers get through with the donuts and coffee, they'll murder me. That's the one little flaw. <laughs> Outside of that, you got something. Bill, and the kettle. Bill. George. What? What happened? The killers. The killers. They're coming up the front walk. What'll I do? Where can I hide? I know. The closet. No. No, George, don't go in there. You're going to face these killers like a man. 
You're not going to hide in that closet. Why not? Because that's where I'm hiding. <laughs> My pal. They're almost to the door, George. Now they've stopped to look at the address. I'm going to hide in the cellar. Tell them I'm not here. Get rid of them. No, George, Bill, come back. Come... Oh, all right, I'll face them alone. I'll save George from those killers. <laughs> this the right place, Dave? Yeah, 360. Let's make this a quick one, Pete. Well, shouldn't take us long to get rid of one rat. Nah. Nah, it ain't like a termite job. Yeah. <laughs> the jobs I hate are them silverfish. <laughs> well, ants and moths ain't no bargain either. Uh-huh. What a lousy racket we're in, huh? You know, if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't be an exterminator. Ah, me neither. Hey, uh, when did this guy Burns call about the rat in his cellar? Oh, that was more than a month ago. Well, you know how the orders pile up. When I spoke to him today, he acted like he'd forgot all about it. Well, come on, come on, let's get it over with. You come in. Uh, we called you today, lady. We're here. Yeah, yeah, I know why you're here. Okay. Where's the rat? Florida? Doctor's orders. We got no time for jokes, lady. That rat's in the cellar, right? Yeah, how did you know? We make our living this way. Let's get busy, Dave. Wait, wait. Please don't kill him. What's eating you, lady? I love that little rat. You love him? Hey, look, lady, you're kidding. No. No, well, ain't he a pest? Don't he sneak around at night and eat up all the food? Don't he cost you money? Yes, but I love the little rat. (laughs) Look, look at it this way, lady. Don't it scare you when you see them little beady eyes looking at you? (laughs) And them them little gray whiskers are twitching, huh? Yes, but I love the little rat. (laughs) Well, for Pete's sake, why? Stop talking like my mother. Huh? I love him because he's mine. I've nursed him when he was sick, shared his sorrows and joys. He's my boopsy boy. You, uh, <laughs> you call him boopsy boy? Yes. Well, it's a nice name. Oh, he's wonderful. You should have seen him in Vaudeville. Vaudeville? Uh-huh. <laughs> Sounds like an educated rat. No, no, he never got past the fourth grade. Hey, look. What do you make of this, Dave? Nuttier than a fruitcake. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, uh look, lady. <laughs> we won't hurt the little fella. Nah, nah, we, we, we'll give him gas. He won't feel nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we'll pick him up by the tail and carry him out. Yeah. <laughs> This I gotta see. Who's <laughs> this guy just popped out of the closet? He's Booksy Boy's best friend. You and the rat are friends? Oh, sure. I've known the little guy for years. We wear each other's neckties. 
Another loony. Let's get out of here. No, not tonight. I'm here to kill that rat, and I'm going to go down the basement and do it. Oh, no, no, please. Get away from that door. Come on, Dave. Come on, we're getting out of here. What happened, Pete? Well, if you think those two are nuts, you ought to see the idiot they keep in a basement. <laughs> Join us again next week when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Meredith Wilson, Liz Orchestra, yours truly, Bill Goodwin. The George Burns and Gracie Allen Show is written by Paul Henning and Keith Fowler. Till next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House. Now stay tuned in for Noah Webster Says, which follows immediately over most of these stations. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Some closing thoughts on Burns and Allen. After fighting a long battle with heart disease, Gracie Allen suffered a fatal heart attack in her home August 27th of 1964 at the age of 62. She was entombed in a mausoleum at Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery. In his second book, They Still Love Me in Altoona, Burns wrote that he found it impossible to sleep after her death until he decided to sleep in the bed she used during her illness. He visited her grave once a month, professing to talk to her about whatever he was doing at the time. But to close on a happy note, I can just love many of his quotes like, Acting is all about honesty. If you can fake sincerity, you've got it made. Or, this is one of my favorites, happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. Stay tuned for Dimension X next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time for Dimension X and the episode, The Martian Embassy. Adventures in Time and Space told in future tense. Out of the infinitude of stars and planets in the solar system and other systems in the universe, it is almost mathematically certain that there exist other forms of life on other worlds. Someday in the future, in a thousand years, or in the next ten minutes, daring travelers through space will make contact with the inhabitants of another world. But the question is, will we contact them first, or will they contact us? Come in. This is Roderick's private detective agency. Check. My name is Graphius. Graphius of Springfield. I would like to see you, Mr. Broderick. Check. What is it, Tolan? There's a guy outside. What kind of a guy? Oh, a great big guy with a big shining head and thick glasses like the bottoms of Coca-Cola bottles. A- and he looks like a professor or what something. What I mean is, does he look like a client or a bill collector? He didn't say. Okay, Iron Man. Send him in. Check. Mr. Graphius, Mr. Broderick will see you. Thank you. Mr. Broderick. In the flesh. Okay, Iron Man, step outside. Check. If you need me, I'll be outside. 
You'll have to excuse Mr. Doolin. He's a very useful man if you happen to want a house moved or somebody's head unscrewed from their shoulders. His reflexes aren't too good. He's what you might call underorganized. I suspected as much. All right, Mr. Graffius. Let's get down to business. Precisely. I would like your assistance in helping me locate something here in New York City. Just what are you trying to locate, Mr. Graffius? The Martian Embassy. Would you say that again very slowly? I came to New York to locate the Martian Embassy. Martian? Like in Buck Rogers? Precisely. Agents of the government of the planet of Mars. Dolan! What's the trouble, boss? Come out, he's a crackpot. Of course, if you wish me to leave, I will leave. But before I go, you might examine this. You'll find it quite authentic. Holy mackerel. A five-century note. Let me see that. Uh, sit down, Mr. Graffius. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. Dolan, get Mr. Graffius a light. Check. Okay, Mr. Graffius. Your remarks about our speckled friends, the Martians, I shall ignore. This being the year 1955, I assume you were joking. On the contrary, I'm completely serious. As it happens, I'm interested only in Martians at the moment. I see. <clears throat> okay, uh, shoot. It occurred to me in the course of my studies that we Earth people cannot possibly be the only intelligent form of life in the universe. Out of the infinitude of stars and planets, there must definitely, mathematically, be others. Since Mars is older geologically, and since it is also an atmospheric planet, its evolutionary history could easily be similar to ours, you follow me? Well, so far, I can't say no. But if this is true, then they must have been watching us, observing us, for hundreds, possibly thousands of years. What for, blackmail? Shut up, Dolan. They know, then, that we are not far from achieving space travel. Atomic rocket ships that can travel to other planets. They also know we're a militaristic, warlike race. We might conceivably set out to conquer and occupy Mars one day. In which case, they'd uh, try to get the jump on it. <laughs> Precisely, Mr. Rodriguez. And how would they do that? For a civilization as old as theirs, space travel would be a simple enough matter. Flying saucers. I read about Relax, it. Relax, Iron Man. Go on, Mr. Graffius. If you were planning to attack an unknown nation, what would be your first move, Mr. Broderick? Intelligence. Find out what the odds are. You have a very logical mind, sir. You would send agents to scout the nerve centers of earthly civilization and advancement. Not in Kansas City or Equatorial Africa, my dear sir, but here in New York City. The most technically advanced spot on Earth. Uh-huh. And, uh, you want me to help you prove this theory of yours? Precisely. Expense does not interest me. Well, this may take a very long, long time, Mr. Graffius. After all, nobody's ever seen a Martian. I assure you, they will be very ordinary-appearing people. Very likely they live together in downtown New York, close to the newspapers and publishers, the news cables, communication centers, and the financial center of Wall Street. Most certainly, they live in a private house with no servants to pry into their affairs. Some ordinary people who live in a private house in downtown New York. I might just as well look up Martians in the classified section of the phone book. <laughs> there is one other lead which might help you. What's that? They would be almost certain to subscribe to every conceivable type of newspaper, scientific journal, foreign language publication. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be something. Okay, Mr. Graffius. It's a deal. Excellent. 
I shall contact you tomorrow. Oh, uh, before you leave. Yes? Just as a matter of interest. Why are you so interested in meeting up with these Martians? Mr. Broderick, I wish to avert the catastrophe of a successful Martian invasion of the Earth. Naturally. I cannot go to the police or the military. I'd be laughed out of existence. So I'm doing this privately. You seem to know all the answers, Mr. Graffius. Not all of them, Mr. Broderick. Not quite all the answers. Not quite yet. Hey, boss. Here's a private address. Takes everything from Pick Magazine to the Manchester Guardian. Listen to this. Pick, look, Scientific America... The Daily News, The Daily Worker, The Police Gazette, The Journal of Engineering, Scientific Quarterly, American Psychiatric Journal. Let me see that. Oh, Dolan. Dolan, sometimes I wonder. What's the address on this? 9 West 124th Street. Which happens to be the Harlem branch of the public library. Oh. Now listen, Noodle Brain. Check all the renting agents. Find out every private house in downtown New York. And then cross-check with the magazine subscription departments of the scientific magazines. You got that? Check. I wonder. Boss, what's the sense of all this? We know there ain't no Martian embassy in New York. This crackpot is paying us $100 a day and we got to keep him happy. You understand? Yeah. Also, I've got a hunch that Mr. Graffius isn't looking for any Martian embassies. He's looking for something quite different. I'll start making with a telephone. Which house is it, Dolan? Right down there. Number 108. Did you find out anything? Not a thing. I've been watching the place for a week now. Nobody comes out. Nobody goes in. I asked around. Nobody knows nothing. You ain't been blabbing around the neighborhood that we're looking for the Martian embassy, have you? Boss, uh, I'm stupid. But I ain't that stupid. Who'd you talk to? I struck up what you might call a casual acquaintanceship with those two girls standing with the baby carriages up the street. They're cute ones. Real cute. Mm. Now look, Doolin. Don't try to do anything intelligent. Just keep walking up and down. See? Check. I'm going back to the office to meet Graffius. See you later, boss. Beautiful. Hiya, Flatfoot. How did you know I was a detective? Your socks are bagging at the arches. <laughs> <laughs> well, stick around, Beautiful. I'll be back in a few minutes, and we can make some beautiful music together. <laughs> Listen to Romeo, Helen. The name is Dolan, honey. Iron Man Dolan. Your line is getting rusty, Iron Man. What do you want to fool around with him for? He reminds me of my husband. The big, good-natured slob. Helen. Helen, look. Oh, hey, Dolan! Dolan found a house down in Greenwich Village, privately rented. Number 108 Conklin Street. Nobody seems to know anything about who lives there, except that they subscribe to every paper and scientific journal put out. And also, they have a peculiar antenna on the roof. 
You don't suppose your Mr. Doolan will try to get inside the house? No, he knows better. Mr. Broderick, I assure you, if that place is the Martian embassy... Doolan can take care of himself. Still, I wish you had informed me before. Well, that's probably him reporting back now. Excuse me. Hello. Yeah, speaking. Doolan? Yeah, he works. What? Oh, no. No, I can't think of any. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, I'll be right down. Okay, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, right away. Something the matter? Doolin is dead, Mr. Graffius. What? He found him splattered all over the sidewalk in front of number 108 Conklin Street. How? How did it happen? There were some witnesses. They said a building cornice dropped on him. The cornice? But how? He fell off the building next to 108, right on top of him. Come on, we can get a cab. I have to identify the body. Lieutenant, I'm Broderick. Oh, well, there's your boy, Broderick. Not very pretty. Oh, mother in heaven. That's a thousand-pound hunk of concrete. Where did it come from? Dropped off the roof of 106. Anybody see it? Yes, a couple of maids pushing baby carriages. One was so shaken, we had to send her to the hospital. The other one is hysterical, but she can talk. Can't seem to get any sense out of her, though. Do you mind if I talk to her? Not at all. I'll be back in a minute, Graffius. I'll wait here. She's standing right over there with a the patrolman on the beat. Uh, oh, Hanson. Yes, sir? This guy wants a few questions for the girl. I told you what I saw. How many times I got to tell you? Yes, the dead man was a personal friend of mine. Would you tell me what happened, please? Helen and I were standing in front of Rathman's candy store up on the corner. We both had the babies up. I worked for Mrs. Gillian on Washington Square North. This, he, he said hello and joked a little. Then he walked down the street just like he'd been doing all week. Hadn't taken more than a few steps. But, but... Please, Miss. It's very important. What do you tell him? How it happened. Tell me. It's too awful. Please. Well, well, first he squashed, and then the stone fell on him. What do you mean, he squashed? They don't believe me, but Helen saw it, too. She saw what? First he squashed, then it fell on him. He was mashed flat before it even hit him. Now, look, that's the story, Broderick. Please, please, let me alone. Let me go home. anything, Mr. Broderick? Huh? I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's crazy. Mr. Broderick, if I may make a suggestion at this point, perhaps it would be better if we drop the entire matter. What's eating you? First you come at me with a chain of nonsense that you're staking real cash on, and now when we hit the solid trail, you want to call off the dogs. Well, maybe you operate that way, but Broderick doesn't. May I ask, then, what do you intend doing? As soon as the cops clear out and this place quiets down... I'm going to pay a personal call on the Martian embassy. Whatever number 108 is. Young man? 
Excuse me, ma'am. Is the lady of the house at home? I'm the lady of the house. Well, uh, my name is Broderick. Uh, I represent the Manhattan Child Adoption Center. We're soliciting funds and clothing for stranded and unadopted children. I wondered Oh, if... won't you come inside? Well, we don't usually... Oh, nonsense. I'm old enough to be your grandmother. Besides, my son, Lauren, is working at home. Your son? He's a bibliographer. He writes summaries of articles and books from scientific journals and publications for libraries and universities. I see. Well, you sit down, Mr. Broderick. We get so few calls, and I do like to visit. Oh, thank you. <sighs> now, what was it you wanted to talk to us about? Oh, well, uh... I, uh, I wondered if you or your son, there's nobody else living here. No, just Lauren and I. I'll have to ask him about the contribution, but I'm sure he'd like to. Good. Uh, thank you very much. I'll send the representative to collect. Oh, please, stay a moment. I was just about to have tea. Let me pour you a cup. Oh, no, thanks, really. Uh... No, young man, I insist. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm getting awfully tired of having tea by myself every afternoon. You know, I'm not very much of a tea drinker, but this seems to have a strange taste. It's my own recipe. The secret is in the brewing. It's sweet. It almost metallic. It takes a few sips to get used to, like olives. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I think I'd better be running along. Oh, but you haven't finished your tea, Mr. Broderick. I'd better be going. I'm late. Oh, you're not being very polite. Do finish your tea. No, really, I feel funny. Oh, I'll call Laurie. No, no, I'm leaving. Oh, I'm sure Lauren can help you. I'll call him. Oh, no, no, oh, But I must, besides, you aren't well. Please. Lauren! Get out. Lauren! Lauren, hurry! Got us out of my way. No, you must stay. Yes, you struck my teeth. Let go my arm. Lauren! Let go! Oh. Get out of here! What happened? The other one. That Broderick, he was here. I drugged his teeth. He got away. Fool, idiot. Go after him. Use the pressure ray. Risk another murder on our doorstep. Are you insane? But he suspects. We'll have to take our chances. We'll have to think of some other way. How do they find us? I don't know how, but I'm certain someone else sent them. Who? I don't know. I'm afraid to let myself think. It might be... them. That's the one. He bumped into a gentleman, and then he pulled at my arm. All right, miss. I'll take care of it. Come along, mister. I'm going to give you a break and take you back to the wife and kids. No, no, you can't. Sick. Sick, is it? What's the matter? Drug. They drugged me. Who drugged you? Number 108. Martians. Who? Martians. Number 108. The Martian Embassy. Well, I've seen them with pink elephants, rabbits, and mice, but you're the first one who's got marks. That's true, I tell you. Uh-huh. Come along. Now, listen, listen. Don't take me back there. Don't Come kill on. me. Look, i got to make you understand. Yeah, yeah. I'll help Look, you up the steps. Please, my name is Broderick. I'm a private dick. We'll find out about this. Here, yeah. don't try it. <laughs> Officer, please listen. I'll give you anything. I'll give you a thousand dollars. Please listen. For God's sake, listen. Listen. Yes, Officer. <laughs> what? 
you know this slush, Grady? Why, that's my son, Roger. <laughs> no, no. Martin. He's in pretty bad. Oh, dear. He was doing so well at the Alcoholic Society. He must have gotten off again. Looks like he's ready to pass out. Lauren! Lauren! What is it, Mother? Oh. Your brother, Broderick, has been drinking again. How's... Look out, he's passed out. I'll take care of him, officer. We've handled this sort of thing before. Can you manage okay? We'll be fine, thank you. You've been very kind, officer. Oh, nothing at all, Granny. I know how it is with these alkies. Well, I'll be seeing you. Mr. Broderick is regaining consciousness, what? Mother. What happened? I, I, oh, I get, get up. Do not struggle, Mr. Broderick. I, It'll be impossible for you to rise from that chair. The pressure from this ray will keep you there. Ray? What? Who are you? You've already guessed, Mr. Broderick. You mean this really is? The... Martian Embassy, yes. You have the honor to be the first prisoner of the Imperial Government of Mars. First Yes. After the invasion, of course, you will all be our prisoners. Hey, look. What sort of a business is this? No business, Mr. Broderick, as your people will soon find out. Our preparations for invasion are nearly completed now. As soon as we give the signal, our armed forces will launch a surprise attack. And then the Earth will be ours. You're crazy. Not half as mad as you, Mr. Broderick, to come muddling so foolishly into our affairs. That was a fatal mistake. So, death. There's no accident, then. Assuredly not. We found it necessary to use a pressure ray on your friend. The block of concrete was an afterthought. We thought it might help to avert suspicion. All right. What happens now? If you cooperate, you can look forward to a quick, painless death like your friend, Mr. Doolan. If not? This pressure ray has many delicate adjustments. It can move a pin, or it can crush a boulder. Let me demonstrate. <laughs> See, Mr. Broderick, as if an invisible vice were crushing you. What do you want? The name of your client. We are interested in knowing who is so anxious to locate the Martian embassy. The names of my clients are confidential. Oh, well. All right, all right. Turn it off, Mother. Mr. Broderick has seen the wisdom of speech. His name is Graphius. Graphius? Yeah. An unusual name for an Earthman. Describe him. Well, I don't know if I really can. Mother. Describe him. He's tall. He's got a big forehead and about 60. He wears thick glasses. He's bald. Lawrence, it sounds like one of them. Yes, it does. Contact the planet. Tell them we suspect that our plans are known. Ask for an acceleration of invasion day. At once. What about me? I am sorry, Mr. Broderick, but I am afraid you know too much now. In exactly five seconds, you will feel the full impact of the ray which faces you. I would suggest that you relax and meet your fate calmly. Now, wait a minute. You will feel no pain, just a wall of force engulfing oh, you. listen, I... Five. No, you can't do this. Four. It isn't human. I know, but we are not human. Three. Yeah, but... Two. No. One. Mother in heaven. Now. Lawrence. <laughs> Something's happened. The magnetic field is dead. Get it working. We've got to get rid of this one. Now, listen. Listen, you quiet. Oh. I can't understand. 
understand what's gone wrong with the ray. Why would it suddenly stop like that? Perhaps I can explain. But Blackness, it's you. Yes. Laurie. Stand back from the pressure ray, please. It will not function anyway. I have decontrolled your field. Lauren, it's one of them. They found us. Did you think we wouldn't? I trust you have not harmed my friend, Mr. Broderick. He's been very useful to me. Brother, am I very glad to see you. Talk about the Marines landing in the nick of time. You're free to move now, Mr. Broderick. I don't know how you got in here, Crafius, but stick around. These babies are really Martian, just like you said. They're planning to invade the Earth and take over. There will be no Martian invasion. You keep these characters covered. I'll get the police. There will be no need for the police. I intend to handle them myself. But the police will... Do not call the police. Why not? You fool of an Earthling. Don't you realize with whom you are dealing? The invasion of Earth by Mars will be like child's play compared... Holy mackerel. They just flattened out. Like your friend, Mr. Doolan. I detest the use of violence where the intellect can rule. But unfortunately, the Martians are a threat to us. They must be destroyed. I believe you now. Another five seconds, they'd have finished me. I'm glad you didn't waste any time. There is little time to waste. The Martian invasion was to have taken place next week. Yeah, I... Hey, they never said that. How do you know? You would not comprehend. Wait a minute. There are some things here I do understand. A second ago, that pressure ray didn't work. Now you're using it like it was a toy. How did you get in here anyway? Who are you? Another one of those Martians? No, Mr. Broderick. I happen to be a Venusian. What? A representative of the planet Venus. Venus? That's impossible. Not at all. The Martians are really an inferior race. We Venusians are much farther advanced. As much as we are over you, Mr. Broderick, the Martians would simply have conquered and enslaved your people. We Venusians felt compelled to exterminate you completely. That's impossible. Oh, no. Now that we have disposed of the Martian threat, what is there to stop us? Our invasion begins tomorrow at noon. By nightfall, the Earth will be ours. Mother in heaven. Either I'm completely cuckoo or... Oh. Oh, well, this is really unbelievable. You needn't edge toward the door, Mr. Broderick. You're thinking of running for help, aren't you now? I can read your thoughts quite clearly. Suppose you're going to knock me off like our Martian friends. On the contrary. Go ahead. Leave? Why not? Why don't you try it, Mr. Broderick? Because the minute I turn my back, you're going to let me have it. Suppose you try it and see. I have no interest in stopping. Go ahead. All right, Buster, you ask for it. It will do you no good. No good! You'll see! Here, here, where do you think you're running from? The officer, officer, listen to me. Oh, it's you, the one with the mask. Yeah, that's right. Now, listen. That story is true. They're inside that house, inside number 108. He killed them. Who killed them? Raffius. He's the leader of the Venusian invasion. Venusian invasion? That's right. Tomorrow at noon, they're going to take over the Earth. Now listen. Go in that house. Martians, now Venusians, eh? Okay, that's enough for me. Come along. Good, good. We haven't got much time. Now. Hey, wait. Where are you taking me? Bellevue Psychiatric Ward, my friend. Come Bellevue, on. Bellevue, no! Now, come along. No! 
Thank you so much for sharing your evening with me. I hope you'll join me next week for more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.